What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com. Uh, a number of months ago, I actually did a uh, uh, an episode where I outlined what the ultimate 80s binder would be for me. So basically from 1980 all the way to 1989, I went through a list of all the cards from each set that year. So from 81, 80, for instance, would be Tops. 81 would be Tops, Donners, and Fleer. And all the way to 89, where we'd have Bowman, Donruss, Fleer, Score, uh, Tops, Upper Deck, and if there's any others I'm missing, then yeah, I apologize. Um, so anyways, about a month ago, somebody reached out by the name of Adam. Um, so shout out to you, Adam. He actually um, uh, suggested that I do a 70s binder uh, podcast episode. I thought that was a phenomenal idea. I might actually do that with um, you know several decades. I think it's going to be great to be able to dive in and, and see what's in there. Um, admittedly, I'm not as well versed on the 70s uh, as I am uh, with the 80s. In fact, I probably know way more about the 80s uh, than I do any other decade in baseball card history. Um, I probably know, uh, I might know actually more about the 1880s than I do several uh uh, decades in uh, the 1900s and in 2000s also. <laughs> so, but we're going to go over the 1970s. It's going to be, I think, a fun listen, I hope. Uh, and, and in fact, it's kind of fun because, you know, starting off, uh, number one, we're pretty much going to be going over the tops sets because those were, that was the main player. Remember, Donners and Fleer didn't really make a, an official appearance uh, like for real baseball cards for, for major leagues until 1981. And, you know, they had a, that lawsuit, you know, there's lawsuits, you know, going from top saying, you know, Hey, you know, tops apparently was saying, Hey, listen, we, uh, you know, we're the only ones that should be able to make these. And, um, I don't remember all of the intricacies of it, but, uh, you know, fun stuff to read up on. It's, it's very interesting. And, uh, so anyways, uh, you know, there's a lot more sets in the eighties to cover. A uh, minimum of three from each year from 81 to 89. For for the 70s, it's literally tops. 70 tops, 71 tops, 72 tops, so on and so forth. Um, so I'll, I'll cover a few key facts on some of these. Um, and, uh, you know, it's I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And, and if you want to build a 70s binder, I think one thing I'm, I'm finding myself do is as I'm going through these, I'm getting interested in building a 70s binder, which I hadn't really before. Uh, I like 80s. I like 90s, but not everything on both of them. Um, but I also like the 19th century stuff and other pre-war. Uh, 70s, I, I kind of almost, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I feel it's like almost like a, a bit of a, a dud of a decade. At least I did uh, for a little while. But, but when I really start drilling in, I, I see all of the fun storylines and the, and the things that Tops did and everything. I'm really starting to really... Uh, enjoy and appreciate the 70s as a decade for baseball cards much more now. So, you know, we'll start off obviously with 1970 tops. And, uh, you know, so they actually, one of the things that's interesting about uh, tops uh, in 1970 is, you know, it's really kind of a, almost like a drab design. It's, it's got a, just a gray border, uh, but the pictures um, have like a, have like a white outline from them, which actually kind of makes them pop a little more. And you know, it's funny is they are reminiscent to me. Uh, 
retroactively reminiscent, I guess, <laughs> I don't know, of uh, 1983 Fleer, uh, because 1983 Fleer has like a lighter uh, kind of border. And, and I actually feel like I'm not really a big fan of 1983 Fleer. Uh, I, you know, the, the three key rookies in, in A3 Fleer, the, the Boggs, the Gwyn, and Sam, Sandberg are, are must, must-haves for 80s collectors, of course, uh, along with a few other fun cards. But as far as design goes, like that, and you know what, <laughs> I actually, I actually forgot. I think probably a closer, uh, a closer match would be 85 Fleer because they did a, like a gray or silver border. And, you know, just 83 and 85 Fleer is nothing really the designs just they aren't really remarkable to me they're not exciting at all um and again i have tons of nostalgia for them um i told you about the a3 rookies a5 rookies uh, you know it's uh mainly the two big guys are clemens and puckett but there's some others in there as well of course uh but uh for 70 tops it's kind of it kind of falls into that realm now because they're more vintage um, I think I have probably more of a reverence for 70 tops just because of the, the age of them and that sort of thing. And, and maybe a little, maybe I just like, I might like the design a little better than I did the, uh, the Fleers. But, uh, anyways, I think that's probably, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I'd like to look into this. I think it's possible that maybe 70 tops is the first year that they offered like a, gray border perhaps i could be completely wrong about that i'm actually trying to as i'm talking i'm trying to run through each year i'm like uh okay 52 53 54 yeah so i, I think it might be the the first year that they offered like a silver border or a gray border um and uh you know so there's not you know to top that off there's not a whole lot of like super key cards uh in the set either um as far as rookies go um now, one thing is interesting is is that they actually upped the uh, the number of cards to 720. Uh, I'm stuck back in you know the 80s where they actually had 792. I don't even know how many cards are in a top set anymore these days. And I think because there's not as many set builders out there, there's probably a lot of people that that don't know uh, that number. All I know is is uh, uh, tops had 792 when I was growing up, and so 720 is fewer than I, I remember, uh, but uh, is more than Tops had previous in previous years. So uh, anyways, to start off with the main guy, I'll, I'll go through a few of the key cards here, by the way. Um, well, uh, and, and a lot of them are, are, you know, are just cards of, of guys that, you know, already had rookies and, and in some cases, uh, several others. You know, I'll try to, I'll try to cut back on, uh, on saying, you know, like Mays and Aaron and uh, Nolan Ryan and, and uh, Reggie Jackson and all that as much as I can. Um, but we'll, we'll start off with them at least. So for 70 tops, uh, Nolan Ryan, uh, you know, has, uh, that's his third year card. Reggie Jackson is a second year card. Hank Aaron, you know, he had, it's actually you know, in the, you know, at the end of his career, or, or you know, he's, he's still a, a few years away, but, um, you know, there's a Hank Aaron in there, which obviously you'd want Roberto Clemente. And I mean, you know, he had, you know, his rookie was in 55 and then Willie Mays, of course, the rookie is 51. Um, Pete Rose, his rookie was uh, 63. Then Johnny Bench, it's a, 
it's a third year card. And, and Johnny Bench, interestingly enough, by the way, um, is interesting to me because uh, I think it's it's one of those cards where his 68 rookie, and I don't mean to dip too much into the 60s when I'm talking, we'll, we'll go over those more in depth when you know we hit uh, the, the 60s binder. Um, but, uh, and I don't have a binder of this guy, uh, by the way, guys, like I'm, you know, kind of putting one together in my head <laughs> along with you, like saying, if, if I had a checklist of must haves from the seventies, these are the ones that would, that would be in my binder. Um, anyways, Johnny bench, like he's one of the few that along with Pete Rose also like they, they, are rookie cards they share with other players. Um, I actually like their rookie cup cards, the second year cards of them, a lot better aesthetically anyways. Um, I think they're just great cards. I think the 69 tops, uh, Johnny Bench and the 64 tops, Pete Rose are just iconic. Obviously their rookies are too, but I really like their 60, 69, 64 tops cards. Um, the number one card, uh, by the way, um, for 70 tops is the uh the Mets card the world champion miracle Mets and and so I'm going off memory on this but the thing that's in intriguing about the Mets is that first of all they were an expansion team I think I think that's the right terminology if I recall in 1962 and so seven years later they went from just being a terrible team to being world series champions and that's uh the world series ring that uh, Nolan Ryan was able to get then and yeah they had they had a good team, um, but they didn't have a great team. Um, I think their batting wasn't really anything to write home about. Um, and so that's, I think, why they call them the Miracle Mets. But um, I, I will admit I am speaking a little bit out of my depth here because I wasn't alive during this time. So I'm, I'm going off of what I've read in the past and what I remember. I just I love baseball history, but that's what I recall. So uh, far and away, the number one card that I would say out of all those um, have all the 1970 tops cards that would be a quote unquote must have would be the Thurman Munson rookie. Uh, now Thurman Munson was a catcher for uh, the Yankees. I think he ended up being moved to first base or was, or was planned on being moved to first base. And uh, so because of me going through this, it's, it's kind of fun. And this is one of the neat things about baseball that helps you kind of to fall in love with uh, with these cards, and certainly the players also, but uh, is when you start drilling down into some of these players, you're going to find some of the most fascinating uh, historical facts uh, about them. And uh, Thurman Munson is is a particularly interesting character in this because not only is he uh, considered uh, a Yankee great, like just an incredible catcher and all that. Uh, in fact, Billy Martin, his, uh, his manager, um, uh, I think he was his, I think he was his manager. Yeah. I had to look it up. I knew he was a, I knew he was a player also. I was thinking, was he a player back then? But no, his, his manager, um, you know, actually said that he felt that Thurman Munson was a better catcher than Johnny Bench. Uh, now keep in mind, Munson had only played for about 10 or 11 years. So, um, guys like, for instance, um, I think Carlton Fisk, for instance, I think he played like 21 years or something, um, which is really tough. I don't know if he stayed behind the plate all that time. Cause that's a lot of wear and tear on your knees. Like as a catcher, like for me personally, like granted I'm 42, so I'm older than, 
uh, what these guys would have been playing in their prime and everything, but uh, I could barely kneel down for any amount of time <laughs> crouching. So uh, I couldn't imagine doing that for as long as they did day in and day out for years. But, uh, but anyway, so the interesting thing about Thurman Munson is uh, he was, a, he actually flew a, flew planes or a plane. He, he was a, he was a pilot, I guess, or at least had his pilot license. Um, and if I recall correctly, I think he, he ended up buying a plane and uh, he actually died in a plane wreck. And so uh, if memory serves me, I think what happened was, I think he was, uh, I always get, I always get him and Clemente uh, kind of paired up together. Like there was for a while, I thought that was possible that they uh, were killed in the same crash or whatever, which that didn't happen. It's just, it's, it's, I remember both of them dying in a plane wreck. Uh, so but anyways, no, this, uh, this interestingly enough happened, uh, when he w had two other passengers with him and apparently, uh, he crashed in, uh, like several hundred feet before the landing strip and hit like a tree stump or something. And it sounds like what happened was he broke his neck and like his last words were like, you know, help me, whoever else was in there. Interestingly enough, uh, the two guys that were two passengers in the plane walked away from it. They, they, you know, they tried to, apparently they tried to get him out, but they couldn't. And, uh, you know, so that was basically kind of how it went. And so this is actually something that's been, um, debated and, and brought up quite a bit. And even, you know, there've been, uh, things brought up in court about this, like, what really happened? Like, how did this really go down? How did these two guys get out uh, and Thurman Munson didn't? And it sounds like everything's on the up and up as far as their story goes, as far as I know. Uh, keep in mind, I have not done a lot of research in this, but uh, there are some people that have done a ton of research. I think there's even a Facebook group uh, about this sort of thing. So, and it's all because of this one player that, you know, you... Don't really hear too much about uh, these days, but, you know, Thurman Munson. And it's something that, you know, I knew that he died in a plane wreck and I knew that he was a an incredible Yankees catcher. That's all. But, you know, reading more into these things like you, you hear more about like, you know, his uh, uh, his, you know, kind of rivalry with Carlton Fisk and how he and Reggie Jackson were at each other's throats a lot of times and how he was the bedrock for the Yankees amidst all of the problems with uh, Reggie Jackson and Billy Martin and George Steinbrenner and everything. And it's just, there was a lot of, a lot of interesting information um, about Thurman Munson. So and it's kind of fun just going through something like this, where you have uh, all of this information that you can look up at any point um, of a single player and all of that is kind of like compacted nice into this little rookie card for us that we can get. So when you have, when you have, uh, when you end up picking up a 1970 tops Thurman months and you know that you have the rookie of, of not just a great, uh, Yankee player, but also just like a very interesting story, um, in the background, which is very, it's tragic. It's unfortunate. It's, it's very tragic, of course. Uh, but interesting nonetheless. So, um, Anyway, so moving forward is uh, we're going to go to uh, 1971 tops. 
so 71 tops i actually have a little bit of a nostalgic connection to them uh, i had a uh, one of my childhood best friends actually uh he's probably the one that helped me get me into baseball card uh, collecting i would say um he loved oral hershiser and he was a big fan of hershiser and the dodgers and you know, of course this was during the you know time where the Dodgers just won the 88 World Series and all that, you know, it's just kind of a, a sad time for A's fans, but, you know, happy time for Dodgers fans. Of course, 89, the A's came back and smoked everybody, um, which was great. But um, anyway, so uh, my friend, he actually got a bunch of cards for free from, uh, you know, a family friend. And I was so jealous, you guys, like <laughs> I was so jealous because there were a lot of old cards. And it's funny because it's like these old cards, you looked at them. It's like, I mean, they might as well have been gold or diamonds to me. Like they're incredible. And he just didn't really care much uh, for them or over them. Like he just, he would, he would toss them. He just wasn't, you know, he didn't, he wasn't careful with them. I was like, what are you doing? These are incredible cards. And, you know, keep in mind, we were both probably like nine or 10 at this point, you know? And, and so I think probably, yeah, probably nine years old. And I just remember seeing these cards going like, man, they're so old. They're so neat. How cool is this? And, you know, like I, I, I distinctly remember a 1971 tops, Bob Gibson, and there's a wrinkle, uh, in them, like right in the middle of it. And I remember thinking, huh, I bet. And this is without regard to value or anything at all. I just remembered the wrinkle bothered me. The crease bothered me. And so I ended up like doing a trade with him on, on that card or something. And uh, that, and there was a Brooks Robinson, if I remember correctly. And so I remember taking a pen on the Bob Gibson and trying to fill in the little wrinkles and the creases. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because nowadays people do that sort of thing for, or at least have done that sort of thing for, to, you know, make it look better than it is for monetary gain or whatever but for me it was literally you know think this nine-year-old who just didn't like that wrinkle <laughs> and so uh now i kind of like have this horrible like oh i couldn't couldn't imagine taking a pen to bob gibson card oh it's terrible it's awful uh but you know it's funny also is when you think of it this way 1971 tops uh was let's see probably 18 years uh prior to 1989 uh, if I'm doing the the math correctly, now if we take that, uh, and, and I thought that 1971 tops was so ancient back then. Um, now if we use that same math uh, f for now, that means that I that a nine year old now would look at a 2004 tops baseball card the way I did as a 1971 tops baseball card, and that's wild to me, you guys. Like that just seems so so foreign and weird. Uh, but anyway, so, so tops in 1971, they did a few things. Number one, uh, you know, they, they bumped up the set 752 cards. Uh, number two, uh, if I recall correctly, I think it's the first year that they had photographs on the back of, on the backs of the cards, but they removed the vast majority of the stats. They had like the previous year and the totals and that's it. Uh, collectors didn't really like that. Um, but even though they had like, you know, cool, you know, cool headshots or whatever on the back. Uh, it's also uh, 1971 tops really kind of marks when they started using action photos 
Uh, I think they were doing that with like World Series cards and that sort of thing in the past. But for the most part, a lot of the other cards um, that they were doing previously were, you know, posed shots. Um, and speak of Thurman Munson, you know, that's one of the most iconic cards in 71 Tops because you see like, um, you know, just uh, dust being kicked up and everything. And oh, it's an all-star rookie card too, you know, which is, uh, which is great. So the, all, the rookie cup card, the uh, Tops did a, um, in the 70s, 60s and 70s. And um, I don't remember when they stopped up. I think it's probably, hmm, maybe 73, something like that. But anyways, they had like a bigger trophy for their rookie cup cards. I've always liked the, the bigger uh, trophy uh, better than the smaller rookie cup. But anyways, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of great cards. They, you know, a few other, you know, another thing that, that Tops did, which is interesting, is the black border. That's probably the most iconic thing about it is it might also be the first time that Tops did a black border. Um, I think that's right. I, <laughs> I'm terrible when it comes to like bringing up these things from memory because no doubt I've missed something in my head, but I think, I think I'm right about that. Uh, but anyway, so it's very striking. It's a big contrast to 70 tops, like 71 tops pops, uh, as far as the, uh, you know, the borders and everything go. And it's nothing special from a design perspective. It's just, it's black. Um, you know, and so it looks real nice, but, uh, very, very condition sensitive. Like if you're looking for high grade stuff, it can go for big bucks. Uh, to give you an idea, um, I'm actually looking up a few of these cards here. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, there's a, a PSA 10 John Kennedy 1971 Tops card. And it sold on August 31st, 2021 for $3,855. A Jim Bochamp. I don't, I don't even know if I'm spelling that right. Uh, PSA 10 Pop 1 uh, sold for $3,672. So you're talking about some of these common players fetching three grand or more. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's just uh, really absolutely incredible to me. Um, I would actually be interested in finding out the, the pop report on these. So as I'm looking at this in the, on the PSA pop report, it looks like uh, 320,306 have been submitted uh, to PSA. 242 have hit PSA 10 and really just under 10,000 have hit at PSA 9 even. There's a lot of these cards that there's no 10 that exists. And uh, you know, it's very possible. I'm trying to see if there's any big players. There's like one Burt Blylevin, uh, which is, it's that's his rookie. There's a Lou Pinella, there's a Lee May. Um, you know, so it's, it's interesting. There's uh, two of a guy named Dave Baldwin. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's really interesting to see this, that, you know, so like, it's so difficult. I, I actually like to try to contrast that to the 1970 tops PSA um, pop report. Let's, let's take a look at that re uh, really quick here. Um, but I'm actually pulling this up while I'm, while I'm typing here. Uh, I, I think this is going to be kind of a fun thing. So there are 232,701 cards that have been uh, that have been submitted to PSA of 1970 tops. So it looks like what happens is we have 
literally about 100,000 more 1971 Topps cards have been submitted, but there are uh, well over 10, maybe about 15 times as many PSA 10s of 1970 Topps than there are 1971 Topps. It is 242 compared to 3,502. Very interesting. Very interesting stuff. Anyway, so yeah, that those black borders would really do yin. So if you're if you're looking for pristine examples, uh, you know, and you're not independently wealthy, maybe bypass seventy one tops. <laughs> However, otherwise, I think probably the better uh, option would be to just be okay with some corner and edge wear. You know, uh, they are old after all. I mean, they're they're probably what is that now? Like fifty one years old now. I mean, it's over half a century. So, um, anyways, there's, there's, you know, better cards also when it comes to, uh, when it comes to star quality of rookies. Um, so we've obviously got Nolan Ryan, Royal Clemente, Thurman Munson. Those are, those are not rookie cards, obviously. We do have a nice triple rookie, um, and the triple rookie, two of the guys, Dusty Baker and Don Baylor. Um, Dusty Baker is obviously... Uh, you know, big deal because of the World Series that the Astros won for him uh, this past year. But uh, but yeah, Dusty Baker and Don Baylor, solid, solid players. Um, and of course, uh, Burt Blylevin, he's, you know, Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, I, I remember him playing. I don't really remember him as like a standout or anything. Uh, but uh, just so you just say really good pitcher, but not like a Nolan Ryan or anything. A goofy guy, like just a funny, funny guy. Uh, I've seen seen him some of his antics, and he's he's really funny. But anyway, so his rookie's in there, um, and uh, then you also have one that probably is more um, interesting to me is the Steve Garvey rookie. And uh, you know, I really like the Steve Garvey card. Like, I like a number of these, like um, you know, star cards, like Brooks Robinson. Uh, Bob Gibson, uh, you know, Hank Aaron, all those guys. But the Steve Garvey rookie is is interesting to me. I actually did a custom 1969 Topps card of him and had it and sent it into him and he actually signed it, which is really cool. Um, but the Steve Garvey is interesting because if you guys can look it up, he looks like Bryce Harper. Uh, well, rather Bryce Harper looks like him. <laughs> so like, and, and when I talk about Bryce Harper, I'm talking like, a young Bryce Harper, not a big bearded, uh, burly guy like he is now, but like when he was just coming up, uh, you know, that's, that's what, uh, Bryce Harper kind of looked like, which is kind of interesting to me. Um, so take a look, look it up. 1971 top Steve Garvey. There is definitely some, uh, uh, Bryce Harper in his face there or vice versa. So, uh, that's all I really have to say about 71 top. So moving forward, moving on to 72 tops, um, it's interesting where they take the design here. So for 72 tops, one, you know, they, they did a couple of interesting things here. Uh, the backs, they went back to, uh, what they had previously. So they, they didn't do, uh, pictures and they've got more stat goodness in the back on, on the backs of cards, uh, which, you know, definitely is something that, you know, collectors, uh, liked more. Um, but, uh, they also did like a, um, a number of, uh, subsets which were interesting um they did you know traded cards they did boyhood photos of the stars they did in action cards 
uh, all which is really neat. But I would say probably the most striking thing is really kind of the design, very much like a psychedelic 70s type of design that were reminiscent of uh, concert posters of the era, which is kind of a kind of a neat deal. But uh, the only one that I would say that I would really say would be a must uh, for me to have um, in a 70s binder uh, would be, mm, as far as rookies go, I would say Carlton Fisk. He's, he's, uh, he uh, shares his rookie with a fellow by the name of Mike Garman and Cecil Cooper. Now, Cooper is actually a, a you know legit player, but um, I would probably want to round it out with maybe a few others in here too. Like, I really like the Willie Mays. I really like the Roberto Clemente. Um, you know, those are two of the others I really like for 72. And I'll, I'll try to try to speed this up a little bit more because I know that we're, we're, we've got like a, we're half hour into this. I've only gone through 70, 71, 72. Um, interestingly enough, looks like they did Roberto Clemente wrong. They, uh, in his inaction card, there's uh, it looks like he uh, just struck out or something, which is interesting. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, very, very cool, uh, very cool set. So one of the other interesting things about uh, 1972 tops is that was the, the last um, card, or at least the last year of uh, Clemente uh, when he when he lived. So he he had other years. Of tops, I think he had seventy three tops card. Uh, I don't know if he had anything beyond that, or whatever. But you know, I, I think it's I think it's really interesting. Um, again, it's another very interesting story uh, that happened with Clemente, who died in a died in a plane wreck. And I'm going to read something uh, from Wikipedia, and I think it sheds light on on uh, who he was. And, you know, what happened, um, which I think is really interesting. Um, also, one other thing before I even read this, one thing that's neat about Clemente is his last regular season uh, at bat, he got his 3000th hit, which is really kind of a neat thing, a neat milestone. And I guess in the grand scheme of things, obviously, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you ask if you were to ask his wife, you know, she probably would say that's that's neat, but obviously she'd rather <laughs> rather have him than than have some have uh, you know him get his three thousandth hit or whatever. But um, it's it's really kind of a kind of a neat deal. I always remember with like Lou Gehrig, I always felt I felt like this ah oh, like because he was seven ho seven home runs short of his five hundredth. It's like ah oh, so close or whatever. But in the grand scheme of things, it's baseball and it doesn't matter like in life really. I know, but in any event, I think it's just a neat thing that Clemente was able to get his 3,000th hit in the last at bat. Um, but anyway, so I'm going to read this from Wikipedia before we go go further on this, because I find this interesting. Uh, it says, uh, Clemente spent much of his uh, time during the offseason involved in charity work. When Managua, the capital city of Nicaragua, was affected by a massive earthquake on December 23rd, 1972, Clemente, who visited there three weeks before the quake, immediately set uh, to work arranging emergency relief flights. He soon learned, however, that the aid packages on the first three flights had been diverted by corrupt officials of the Somoza government, never reaching the victims of the quake. He decided to accompany the fourth relief flight, hoping that his presence would ensure that the aid would be delivered to the survivors. My gosh, you guys, like, if someone is to have a hero... 
like <laughs> Clemente, you know, that'd be Clemente. I mean, just that's incredible. Anyways, the airplane which he chartered for a New Year's Eve flight, a Douglas, a Douglas DC-7 cargo plane, had a history of mechanical problems and it also had an insufficient number of uh, flight personnel. A flight engineer and a co-pilot were both missing. And it was also overloaded by 4,200 pounds. It crashed into the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Isla Verde, uh, Puerto Rico. I guess that's how you say it, or Isla Verde. I don't know. Immediately after takeoff on December 31st, 1972, due to engine failure. A search and rescue effort was immediately launched and led by the U.S. CGC Sagebrush a few days after the crash. The body of the pilot and part of the fuselage of the plane were found. An empty flight case, which apparently belonged to Clemente, was the only personal item of which was recovered from the plane, of his, which was recovered from the plane. Clemente's uh, teammate and close friend Manny uh, Sanguian was the only member of the pirates who did not attend Roberto's memorial service. Instead, the pirates catcher chose to dive into the waters where Clemente's plane had crashed in an effort to find his teammate. Wow. Wow. The bodies of Clemente and three others uh, who were also on the four-engine plane were never recovered. Montreal Expos pitcher Tom Walker, then playing winter league ball in Puerto Rico in a league later named after Clemente, helped him load the plane because Clemente wanted Walker, who was single, to go and enjoy New Year's. Clemente told him not to join him on the, on the flight. In an interview for the ESPN documentary series Sports Century in 2002, Clemente's widow, Vera, mentioned that Clemente had told her that he thought he was going to die young several times. Indeed, while he was being asked when he would get his 3,000th career hit by broadcaster and future fellow Hall of Famer Richie Ashburn in July of 1971 during an All-Star during All-Star game activities, Clemente's response was, well, uh, you never know. I, I, uh, if I'm alive, like I said before, you never know because God tells you how long you're going to be here. So you never know what can happen tomorrow. Clemente's older stepbrother, Luis, died on December 31st, 1954, exactly 18 years before Clemente himself and his stepsister died a few years later. At the time of his death, Clemente had established several records with the Pirates, including most triples in a game, three, which, wow, uh, <laughs> and hits in two consecutive games, 10. He won 12 Gold Glove Awards and shares the record of most one uh, among outfielders with Willie Mays. On July 25th, 1956, in a 9-8 Pittsburgh win against the Cubs, Clemente hit the only walk-off inside the park grand slam in professional baseball history. So, again, you guys, like Thurman Munson, there's a big story behind, uh, you know, a single card or a player, you know, and just incredible. Now, you got to go back all the way in 1955 to pick up Clemente's rookie. Um, but a 1972 Topps card would not be bad to pick up either, for sure. So... Uh, great story, you know, sad story, but great story of, of, you know, Clemente's heart. Like what a, what a wonderful guy he sounded like. Um, but anyway, so that, that kind of caps off, uh, 1972 tops. And let's, uh, 
let's go forward. Let's uh, let's hit 1973 tops. Okay, so for 73 tops, uh, you know the a couple of things interesting. Number one, the design is way toned down. It's much more conservative than the Wild 72 tops uh, set had, and it also had a drastic reduction in cards. It's only 660 of them. It was also the last vintage set uh, that tops uh, that tops released in multiple series, uh, and it's also the last active card appearance for Willie Mays. So when it comes to what I would want in my binder, it's hard. I, I know I said that I wouldn't bring up like Nolan Ryan over and over again and, and Willie Mays and that sort of thing. Um, but for 73 tops, I yeah, I don't know. I think I probably would just say, okay, listen, in this binder, I'm putting Nolan Ryan like I would every year. Uh, Hank Aaron, uh, probably, uh, almost definitely. And uh, who else? I mean, I, Clemente. Just you know, gosh, I don't even know. I don't. I don't know if Clemente had a seventy-four tops card. Let me let me look at that real quick. Yeah, I don't think so. I think seventy-three tops is really kind of the last one for him. Um, and uh, so I, I would want to. I would want to have the seventy-three tops Clemente and Hank Aaron and Willie Mays, which by the way is donning a Mets jersey, which is interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think that's, that's kind of interesting. There's, there's also a, a goose gossage rookie, which I would like to have. I, I like, uh, I remember him and his, you know, huge mustache and all that. Um, there's a, uh, there's also a Dwight Evans rookie, which I don't know if that would, I'll be honest. I don't know if I would, uh, uh, it's also got a bumbering, I don't know who Charlie Spikes is, but Alonzo Bumbery, I think they call him Al Bumbery <laughs> uh, later on. But I, I don't know if that card would make it in the binder for me. Uh, the number one card that would make it absolutely is Mike Schmidt's rookie. He uh, he shares it with Ron Say and John Hilton. I don't know who John Hilton is, but uh, obviously know who Ron Say is. Uh, but Mike Schmidt, uh, that's the crown jewel of 73 tops as far as rookie cards go for sure and really anything else. Uh, but that's the, that's the main one that I would want. So 70, yeah, 70, you know, 70 has Thurman Munson. 71 has, I would say Steve Garvey, 72 Carlton Fisk, 73 Mike Schmidt. Um, you know, those are the main guys. So I think, you know, it's, <laughs> it almost feels like, you know, you could fill up, you know, your, your seventies binder with, with notable rookies in like two pages or something <laughs> that might be the case. I don't know, but I, I think you'd want to fill it out more with, uh, with the other stars as well. The, the mazes, the Clemente's, um, the Aaron's, the Ryan's, I think those four guys, at least maybe Reggie Jackson, um, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a number of other good guys out there. I, I just don't know who I would really want to put in the binder. Um, I would say, I would say that definitely, uh, Mays, Aaron, Clemente, Ryan, I would say those guys would absolutely be in there. I think there's going to be some as well. Uh, like Johnny Bench might be in there for me. I'd probably put Reggie Jackson in there, uh, from year to year as well. Uh, and let me, let's see if I could think of any, any of these other guys here. Pete Rose. I'm just not really a big fan of Pete Rose, but maybe, maybe Pete Rose would go in there as well. Um, 
but uh, anyway, so definitely as far as like the key card, I mean, that's, that's Mike Schmidt there for you. So uh, that's, that's his rookie. So 70 is Munson, 71 Garvey, 72 Fisk, 73 Schmidt. Okay, so for 74 tops, uh, the design again isn't isn't wild. They stuck with 660 cards. Uh, it was the first time they actually ended up uh, releasing the entire uh, their entire run in one shot instead of doing multiple series. And it's actually, I think it was the first time that you could get a complete set, complete factory set. And I think I was exclusively through uh, J.C. Penney's department store catalog, which is kind of neat. Um, it says uh, a bonus to purchasing the set was the inclusion of the first ever traded set, which contained 44 cards of players uh, who had changed teams at some point during the year. There's an interesting uh, little fact, a uh, little factoid for 74 tops. I'm reading from uh, Cardboard Connection. It says uh, prior to the start of the 1974 MLB season, it appeared that the San Diego Padres were going to be relocated to Washington. As such, the initial production run of 1974 Topps baseball cards featured Padres players as playing in Washington for the National League. The plans to move the team fell through at the last minute, forcing Topps to make some quick revisions. All subsequent production runs were printed uh, with the corrected team information. As a result, the 1974 Topps card set is considered to have 18 variations, which brings the master set count to 678 cards. I find that interesting because I actually didn't know that. Um, it also said uh, uh, for 74, it says the 1974 Topps baseball card set forever changed the baseball card landscape. The single series format made it easier to collect the entire set. A classic design, a few key rookie cards and play of stars makes 1974 Topps a fan favorite. Um, I do like the 74 Topps set. Uh, not a whole lot of star power as far as rookie cards go, but uh, we do have a nice little uh, home run king tribute for Hank Aaron. I think he makes up the first uh, six cards of, of the set, if I remember correctly. Let me take a look here. Yeah, so there's, you know, the first six cards of the set is Hank Aaron. Uh, so that's that's pretty neat. Um, and uh, you love seeing that. Uh, as far as rookies go, you've got a quad rookie where... You have uh, Ken Griffey Sr. Um, on it for his rookie, which interestingly enough, 15 years later, his kid pops up on the iconic 89 Upper Deck card as his own rookie there, which is kind of fun. So just 15 years passed between the two, which is interesting. Uh, so there's also Dave Parker rookie, which he would absolutely be in my binder just because of his part in the 89 A's. Um, but probably the biggest one, I say probably, definitely the biggest one is a San Diego Padres player by the name of Dave Winfield. That's his rookie card as well. And you gotta love the jersey. It looks like he, you can't tell if he's, uh, if he's working the till at McDonald's or if he's playing for the Padres. <laughs> I love it. Um, so that card absolutely uh, gets, uh, gets in my binder uh, for sure. So maybe all of the Hank Aaron cards, um, you know, again, it's just, you know, going through the main guys that would go in there as well. But, but yeah, definitely Dave Winfield would, definitely Dave Parker would, uh, maybe Ken Griffey Sr. would. Um, so going forward to 1975 Tops, uh, this is a very interesting set to me. So probably my favorite design 
of the entire 70s uh, decade. It's the colors are wild for 75 tops. Uh, you've got nice pairing. Like, I mean, they've got bright, loud colors. It is everything that's good about the 70s. Um, and uh, it's also interesting uh, to note that they actually distributed them in a number of uh, formats. Uh, so they had wax packs, they had uh, cello packs, they had rack packs. Um, so, and also vending boxes, which is pretty cool. So the design's really neat. Uh, this is about as packed as a rookie class as you can get. Um, you know, so you have, uh, the main guys, the main guys are going to be, uh, uh, George Brett, Robin Yount, Jim Rice, and Gary Carter. Gary Carter obviously is, is kind of my main, uh, connection point here, but I, I would say, for years, I'm, I've always loved the Brett and the Yount. They, I just, I saw those as like the key cards, uh, the key cards in in the run. And by the way, you know, I'm not bringing up like you know Carl Yastrzemski and all these other guys um, that are in some of these sets that probably could make my binders well. Um, it's hard not for me get to get googly eyed over over all of the stars in 75 tops so because of the colors i love them tons but um but yeah so there's uh it's it's a neat run i really like the george brett that's probably my favorite card of the set it's got like a it's like a green and purple it's just pretty perfect it's also got pink uh which is neat the the robin out's more drab it's you know, orange and brown but those two cards together those those headline uh as the uh, the flagship cards of 75 tops. So they're, you know, the best cards in the set, uh, in my opinion. Um, the Jim Rice, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of a connection with Jim Rice. I do have a lot of connection with Gary Carter, of course. So, uh, I would absolutely take his, I'd, I'd probably take Jim Rice's and, and put it in the binder as well. Uh, Keith Hernandez, um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think I would hate having him in there. Like he's got Phil Garner, uh, Phil Garner's rookies uh, uh, is is picture on that same card as well, so you know that's a, that's another positive point for it. But, um, but anyway, so there's there's going to be a number of interesting cards there. the The first 123 cards or or 100 and something cards are actually considered short prints, uh, which is interesting. And something else neat is uh, they actually had a uh, mini set that they created. Now I've got a personal connection with these. I remember the mini cards. One of my uh, favorite memories of vintage cards really is uh, involves the 1975 tops mini Mike Schmidt. And uh, I, th I think the minis were uh, distributed really in just Michigan and California, if I remember correctly. And uh, you know, it was really kind of a helpful for, uh, for tops because it was, it helped like bring down the actual production costs. And, uh, so that's, I think that was probably the main driver. I think they were able to get like, you know, more cards per sheet in or something, if I remember correctly. But, um, as far as mini cards, that's going to be a tough one to, to say as far as, um, uh, if they would make the binder or not, because I don't think I would really want to do like, a regular run as well as minis, but then again, maybe I would. Um, I think I'd at least have to get the Mike Schmidt just because of uh, my personal uh, connection to that card. So, and plus, it's a great card. It's just got a great, you know, great portrait basically of uh, 
of Schmidt. But um, anyways, yeah, 75 tops. I've got to say either 71 or 75 are my favorite uh, 70 sets. Uh, and I actually just sold an uncut sheet of 75 tops that had the Gary Carter rookie in it, um, which was interesting. I ended up having to go to like Home Depot or something, get this like massive tube uh, to roll it in. It was kind of a kind of a nightmare to, to wrap up and everything. But um, I've had a 75 top set in binders once or twice as well. Uh, and I bought them just to resell, you know, but um, if I were to if I were to keep a 70s set, it would either have to be 71 or 75. Um, hopefully both. But anyway, so yeah, those are those are the main ones, the main, you know, the main keepers, the main binder cards, I would say would be the Brett, the Yount, the Carter uh, rookies. Those are the really kind of the three that I would that I would want, but I would want some of these others as well, like you know the Ryan and um, and uh, Yastrzemski and you know Mike Schmidt, of course. But uh, anyways, a lot of a uh, lot of fun cards and the minis. You know, gotta gotta keep in mind the, the minis too. As far as uh, 1976 goes, uh, the design um, I really like the design of 76 tops. I think it's I think it's a great it's a great just a great design. Um, there's a number of cards I would want to have in my binder. Um, second year cards of, of Brett and Yount, I, I would say would be a must. Um, there's a Willie Randolph rookie that, uh, that also has Dave McKay, who was, a, I think it was the first base, co uh, first base coach for the A's uh, back in the 80s, if I remember correctly. Um, I'd want that card. Uh, well, Willie Randolph also, I think he, uh, I think he played for the A's. Um, I'm pretty darn sure. Um, <laughs> my memory's failing me right now. But anyways, I, I want the Randolph rookie. Uh, the most important card for me, there's going to be two of them. Uh, number one is the Dennis Eckersley uh, Sands mustache. You know, it's the the Indians pitcher. You know, I uh, I love love that card. It's a it's a great it's a great rookie card of Dennis Eckersley. It's not even marked as a rookie, which is interesting. Um, which also would be kind of like a fun, you know, fun what if card to do something, uh, something with an Eckersley uh, rookie. But anyways, uh, definitely want the Eckersley and I would definitely want uh, the Johnny Bench. I've got a lot of nostalgic feelings towards the Johnny Bench. When I was a kid, again, not a kid in the 70s, but a kid in the 80s, uh, I remember seeing that 76 tops bench and just thinking that was one cool looking guy. Like he just, uh, I'm going, to, I'm going to pull it up on my computer here and uh, and describe it here. But uh, uh, Bench would absolutely uh, make it into my binder as a uh, you know as as a card. Uh, you know, and that's not to say Bench wouldn't make it any other years because I think he probably would. But uh, but yeah, you see like the dust kicked up and he's just uh, got his helmet on, looking out. I mean, it's just it's a great looking card. <laughs> it's a great looking card. I love it. Um, and there's some cards throughout the years that, that just stick out to me, like for the 66 tops, Willie Mays does 76 tops, Johnny bench. And there's, you know, there's some others, but, uh, but yeah, as far as other cards, you know, not really a whole lot to write home about in terms of 76 tops. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's really kind of, kind of about all for, for that one. 77 tops has an interesting design. Um, and there's some good rookies in there too. Um, you know, I would say, uh, uh, Andre Dawson has, which is, you know, a massive name, obviously. Um, so you'd want to have him in, in your binder. Uh, there's also a Dale Murphy, 
rookie, which I think he makes it. Bruce Suter, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I would probably put him in personally uh, for mine, but um, but definitely uh, the bird, Mark Fidrich. His rookie's in there, and it is a great shot of him. Just a great shot of him. You see his curly hair kind of, uh, you know, going out of his, his hat and everything. It also has the rookie cup, uh, which I would be interested in finding out how many actual rookie cards that Topps put out during this time that had the All-Star Rookie Cup on the actual rookie card instead of the second-year card. Um, that's interesting to me. I didn't I didn't really realize that until just now. But in any event... Uh, the Fidrich absolutely makes it, um, you know, of course, like the Ryans and the Rhett and that sort of thing, um, I'll, I'll make it. But the Dawson definitely does, and the Dale Murphy uh, definitely does. 78 Tops, it kind of reminds me a little bit of 89 Tops as far as the script that they used for the uh, team name. Uh, there, there's, some good, there's some good rookies in here as well, not anything... Uh, explosive but you have speaking of rookie cards with all-star rookie cups on them you have eddie murray uh you know that's uh you know so he has the rookie cup treatment on his rookie card it's a great shot of him by the way so i would absolutely want that in my binder uh there is a uh paul molitor alan trammell and ul washington on the same card along with mickey klutz i don't really know much about him other than you know this card, but it's a, it's a quad rookie. I would definitely want that card in there. Um, <clears throat> there's a Sweet Lou Whitaker rookie and a Jack Morris rookie. So I'm not sure if the Whitaker or Morris would would make it in my in my binder. I think they might. Maybe I'd have to go back on that. I'm not sure, but uh, back forth on that. But I know the Trammell Molder one would, and absolutely the Eddie Murray would. Um, Cause those are, you know, two massive cards there. So and I say massive, I mean, you know, Eddie Murray's the biggest far and away, but anyway, so, and that brings us to the last one. The last year is 1979. 79 tops, like in my mind, uh, is special really kind of because, uh, it's, uh, the last of the seventies. Um, so that, that's kind of like a cutoff time where I think, okay, vintage, like that's just kind of always been in the back of my mind. If it's a vintage card, it's pre-1980. And it also is actually kind of overshadowed in my mind because you have Ricky Henderson in the 1980 Tops uh, set. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of a kind of an interesting deal there. But anyways, the 79 Tops set does not really have much in, in the way of big time rookies. There's Ozzy Smith, which in my opinion is massive. Uh, so I would absolutely want Ozzy Smith in that um, uh, in in my binder. Thurman Munson's last active uh, card is in there as well, so I might consider that card. Uh, there's a couple others I would just for personal reasons. I think there's rookies of uh, Carney Lansford and Rick Honeycutt just because of their uh, their contribution to the Oakland A's. Uh, when I was a kid. So those are those are the two that I would want in there as well. So, uh, but anyways, I think that's really kind of does it. Uh, I'll, I'll quickly go through the main ones just one more time. That way, you know, you can have like a full list of what I would do personally at a bare minimum. And then, you know, you kind of add on the others as gravy. But uh, to start off with, you know, as far as rookies go, main rookies. So 70 tops, Thurman Munson, 71 tops, 
Steve Garvey and the Dusty Baker Don Baylor card. Maybe Burt Bly 11, but you know, maybe George Foster also. I don't know, but probably yeah, really just the Garvey and the Baker slash Baylor cards, I would say. 72 tops is going to be Carlton Fisk. Uh, 73 tops is going to be Mike Schmidt. 74 tops is Dave Winfield. 75 tops is going to be Brett Yount and Gary Carter. 76 tops, uh, Dennis Eckersley. 77 tops is Andre Dawson and Dale Murphy, probably, and Mark Fidrich. Uh, 1978 tops. Eddie Murray and the Molitor slash uh, Trammel. And last but not least, 79 tops, at the very least, the Ozzie Smith rookie card. So that does it for the 70s binder. Um, probably a lot messier than you know, the 80s binder episode that I did, but probably longer also. Um, anyway, so yeah, let me know what your thoughts are. I think those are those are mine, and you know, I think I'd be really happy with those cards in my binder. Uh, as always, thank you all for listening. I hope you all have a great rest of your day.